Good morning, Element Church. Good morning, Element Church Online. Those of you who are watching on Facebook Live or online, welcome. You guys know the story of Joseph, right? It's in the Old Testament. Jacob was his dad. Jacob worked for seven years for a wife, and then he was given a different wife, and he worked another seven years for his favorite wife. But then she couldn't have a baby, and they tried, and no baby, and eventually, finally, she got pregnant, and Joseph was born, the promised son, the favorite son. Now, it's actually not a good idea to have a favorite son because the other sons hated him because it was very clear he was the favorite. And so they made this plan that they were going to kill Joseph. And then they, they did him a favor, and they didn't kill him. They sold him into slavery. So he gets carted off to Egypt and sold to a man named Potiphar, and he goes to work in Potiphar's household. But Joseph is an amazing worker. He's an amazing manager, and he rises to second in command of Potiphar's house. He is the head of all the servants and slaves. Potiphar's wife has her eye on Joseph. He's young. He's handsome. She thinks, huh. She tries to seduce Joseph. He runs away from her, runs away from doing the wrong thing. And what happens to him? He ends up in prison. But in prison, again, Joseph's this amazing manager, this amazing worker. He rises. He's second in command of the prison, only to the warden himself. And some of the king's workers are put in prison and they have a dream and they tell their dreams to Joseph. It's the baker and the cupbearer for Pharaoh. And Joseph says, with God's help, he tells them what the dreams mean. Mr. Baker, in three days, you're going to be executed. Mr. Cupbearer, in three days, you're going to be restored to Pharaoh's household. You'll be standing beside Pharaoh. You'll be rehired as his cupbearer. And when you get there, remember me. I shouldn't be in prison. I didn't do anything wrong. Please, you'll be standing right next to Pharaoh. Tell him, that guy Joseph shouldn't be in prison. Get him out of there. Please, please remember me. And so then day three comes and the baker is executed and the cupbearer is released from prison and restored to Pharaoh's household. Hang on to that thought. We'll come back to Joseph. Now, it's not often, in fact, it almost never happens, that I get asked back to speak at a church after I spoke there once before. So, Element Church, thank you for welcoming me. Uh, those of you who remember, my wife and I were here in July of last year, had the chance to spend a Sunday with you, and uh, I got to tell you, we kind of fell in love with Element Church. Uh, it's about a 700-mile commute, which makes it really hard for us to come on Sundays, um, but we really fell in love with your church, and we really felt welcomed, and I thank you for that. Uh, I want to introduce you to my family. This is my wife, Char. She was here with me last time. Next to her is Cameron. He started a new job on Thursday as a Bible teacher and a basketball coach at Wesleyan Christian School in Bartlesville. 
Next to me is Kedrick. He is a junior at Oklahoma Baptist University in Shawnee, Oklahoma, uh, studying communications. He also has a part-time job leading worship at a Baptist church, um, so he is probably done for the day now, but if you're ever in Henrietta, Oklahoma, and you go to First Baptist Church, say hello to Kedrick. We had a very exciting thing happen in our family. On June 17th, after 25 years of marriage and two sons, we finally got a daughter. We welcomed Danielle into our family. It was a very exciting day and a very happy day for all of us. Uh, it's really cool how God matched them up. And uh, they are such a good pair and such a good match that uh, we're just really excited uh, to have Danielle as a part of our family. I work for the Voice of the Martyrs in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. The Voice of the Martyrs is a ministry to persecuted Christians, and we are active in 68 different countries where Christians are persecuted for their faith. Our founder was a man named Richard Wormbrand. We're going to talk a little bit about him later on this morning, but uh, this October will be the 50th anniversary of our ministry. So we have some really exciting things happening at Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, actually, next spring, if you, if you watch... Uh, there will be a film telling the story of Richard and Sabina Wormbrand. So that will be in theaters. It will be kind of a one-night in-theater event. So watch for that next spring. I have a table out in the lobby where you can pick up a copy of our newsletter. I would encourage you to do so. Uh, there's an envelope in the middle of this. We will send you a free DVD or a free prayer guide specifically about the Muslim world and how you can pray for Christians in the Muslim world. So they're on the table, they're free, and I'm not taking them home. So please take one of these when you walk out the door. My little part of Voice of the Martyrs is called Voice of the Martyrs Radio, VOM Radio. And uh, we have a website and we have a podcast and we have an app, actually an app from VOM that you can listen to VOM Radio. But I'm excited because right here in Cheyenne, every Saturday at 1230, you can hear it right here in your local area. So I encourage you, listen on the radio, listen on the podcast, listen online. What we do at VOM Radio is we get a Christian who's faced persecution, and I just get to ask them questions. It's, it's amazing, the privilege that I have. You know, tell me about the prison. Tell me about what God did while you were in prison. Tell me how you were able to withstand the torture or the pressure that you were facing. So I would encourage you, listen to VRM Radio, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that coming too. Did it bother you at all that, that we started with Joseph and then now we're talking about other stuff and Joseph is still sitting in prison? If it did, you're exactly in the right place because we're going to talk about waiting this morning. We're going to talk about waiting on God. Some of you are waiting for Pastor Jeff to come back. Some of you are waiting for the end of the Minor Prophets series, which I'm sorry, I'm not going to talk about the Minor Prophets, but that will come back next week. So be back to hear that. For some reason, this year, 2017, God has me on the topic of waiting. And the interesting thing is I don't really feel like I'm waiting. I have a job that I really like and I'm really fulfilled by. I have a wife that I love. And I'll tell you what, we love the empty nest. Uh, some people complain about the empty nest or don't look forward to the empty nest. Let me tell you something. When you have an empty nest and you clean something, you can come back a half hour later and it is still clean. <laughs> and if you buy food and put it in the refrigerator, 
you can come back the next day and there is still food in the refrigerator. It's a great thing to have an empty nest. So my kids are healthy. I love my wife. I love my job. I don't really feel like I'm waiting. I have a daughter now, but I'm not in a hurry to be a grandpa, so I don't, I don't really feel like I'm waiting for that. But every time I open the Bible this year, I'm reading about somebody who's waiting. And I feel like God is saying, pay attention to that, pay attention to that, pay attention to that. And I don't know why, and it's actually kind of worrying me a little bit. Like, like I'm going to be in a time of waiting soon, and he's trying to get me ready. So let's talk about Joseph. Three days later, cupbearer's back with Pharaoh. The Bible doesn't exactly say what Joseph did, but this is what I think he did. He wakes up on morning number four, okay, and he gives away the stuff that he doesn't really need because he's going to get out of prison anyway. And there's a few things that he really loves. You know, he has some, some writings that he's done. And, and so he wraps those up and he ties a little reed about them. And then he sits on his bed and he's like, okay, how soon will the warden get here and let me out? Not that day. Okay, well, day five. You know, sometimes the papyrus works takes a little bit of time, so it's probably going to be on day five. Okay, not that day. Okay, day six. Okay, day 10. Okay, day 30. Day 60. Do you, do you imagine Joseph sitting there thinking, what happened? How could, he, how could I tell this guy his dream and he doesn't even remember. The Bible picks up the story in the first verses of Genesis chapter 41. Then it came to pass at the end of two full years. Now I picture Joseph waking up every morning saying, this is my last day in prison. I'm out of here today. But two full years of that? At what point did he say, I'm never going to get out? He was waiting for two years. Then I was reading in Acts chapter 7, and, and Stephen is standing before the Sanhedrin, and he's kind of giving a look back at the entire history of the people of Israel. And he gets to the part about Moses. Now, if I were to give you a 60-second 60 60 synopsis of the story of Moses... You know, I talk about the basket in the Nile River, how they saved his life when he was a baby. And I talk about being raised in Pharaoh's household by Pharaoh's daughter. And I would talk about the 10 plagues. And I would talk about taking the people out of Egypt and freeing God's people. But when Stephen tells the story in Acts 7, verse 30, this is part of the story that he tells. And when 40 years had passed... An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush in the wilderness. When 40 years had passed in the wilderness. And then I'm reading in Mark chapter 5 about a woman who came to Jesus and reached out and touched the bottom of his robe. And it says, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, 
but rather grew worse. She was waiting for healing for 12 years. She went to every doctor she could find. You know, my, in my mind, I think she started out with the really good, high-reputation doctors, and then she got a little more out on the fringe, and then she got to the quacks. But hey, if they can help me, I'll do anything. It's been 12 years. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. Everywhere I turn in the Bible this year, somebody's waiting on something. And again, it's like God is pointing, hey, pay attention to that. Don't miss that. So why is that? You know, I kind of blame my friend Peter. Peter Yasek was the Africa Regional Director for Voice of the Martyrs. In December of 2015, he went to the country of Sudan and he spent four days there meeting with Christians, meeting with pastors, kind of exploring how can Voice of the Martyrs help the church in Sudan? What can we do? He went to the airport on December the 10th to fly home. He went to the counter, he got his boarding pass, and he turned away from the counter and there was a tap on his shoulder. Hey, come with me. Now, Peter's first thought was, you know, sometimes there's an extra level of security screening. They probably just asked me a few questions, no big deal. But they took Peter into an office and they began to lay pictures on the desk. And it was pictures of every place Peter had gone in the four days he was in Sudan and every person he had met with while he was in Sudan. And he quickly realized, this is a lot worse than just a little extra security screening. Peter spent 445 days in prison in Sudan. He was actually tried for espionage for his work for Voice of the Martyrs and sentenced to life in prison, which the Sudanese system means 20 years in prison. Now, thankfully, God intervened and Peter was released at the end of February. Eight days later, I went to Prague, Czech Republic, and I sat down with Peter in a room and I interviewed him and we broadcast three episodes of UM Radio and I encourage you, go to that link and listen to Peter's story. It's phenomenal. But one of the things that Peter talked about is waiting on the Lord, waiting on the Lord during 445 days in prison, waiting on the Lord when the judge said, life in prison, waiting on the Lord when he wondered if he'd ever get home. So I met with Peter in March and then, like I say, every time I open the Bible, it's somebody who's waiting for something. Some of you are anxiously waiting for Jeff to come back, right? Maybe some of you are engaged and you're waiting to be married. Maybe some of you are unemployed and you're waiting for God to open the right door for a job or maybe any door for a job. How many of you, when you make microwave popcorn, you sit right beside the microwave and you tap your fingers? Because 90 seconds is a long time, isn't it? We don't like waiting. I don't like waiting. So what I want to talk about today is how can we wait on God in a way that honors him, in a way that helps us grow in our faith and in our walk with Christ. Let's look first at, at why we might be waiting, what we're waiting on. The first thing that I think that we might be waiting on is we might be waiting on God to reveal his plans. You know, Moses in the wilderness for 40 years was waiting for God to tell him what to do. Give me a different job. I, I'm tired of the sheep. 
But I think there's also some waiting that God was waiting on Moses to be ready for that job, right? So, so sometimes we're waiting on God to reveal his plans, but at the same time, he's waiting on us to be ready to do what he asks us to. Sometimes we're waiting on God to reveal his plans. Sometimes we're waiting on God for release or freedom or justice. Joseph sat in prison waiting for God to open the doors. Pastor Richard Wormbrand, the founder of the Voice of the Martyrs, spent 14 years in prison in communist Romania. His wife, Sabina, spent three years in prison, part of that time in a labor camp building the Danube Canal. Pastor Wormbrand was in a solitary confinement cell for three years, literally below ground level. The guards wore pads on their shoes so they didn't make any noise when they walked. It was like a deprivation chamber and just silent and alone for three years. Waiting on God for release, for freedom, for justice. Sometimes we're waiting on God for healing. The lady with the issue of blood, waiting on God for healing for 12 years, doing everything in her power to get well, but ultimately waiting on God. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, about three times I asked God to remove the thorn in my flesh. And God said, no, but my grace is sufficient for you while you have that thorn. Sometimes we're waiting on God for healing. The fourth thing that I think we may wait on is we wait on God to work in somebody else's life. Now, I think this is particularly true in a spouse in a marriage. Sometimes God is telling you to do something, but he hasn't let your spouse know yet. Or maybe they're not ready yet. And so we're waiting on God to work in their life so that we're ready to go forward together. One of my favorite stories that illustrates this is a man named Russell. He's a, a guy that we've worked with in Colombia, and he works in FARC guerrilla areas with the church in Colombia. Russell felt called to be a missionary when he was six years old. Now, he didn't want to wait until he was grown up. So he began to pray every night that God would call his parents to be missionaries so that he could go right now. And you know what happened? Two years later, his whole family packed up and moved to Columbia. God answered his prayer. But he was waiting on God to work in someone else's life so that he could go forward with what he felt like God was calling him to do. The fifth thing that we might be waiting on is we might be waiting on God to fight the battle. I've been impressed as I've been reading the Old Testament this year at how many times God said to the people of Israel, you just wait. It's almost like, get out of my way. You go stand over there, I'll take care of this. One of my favorite stories from just the past couple of weeks is the story of King Hezekiah in 2 Kings chapter 19. Jerusalem was surrounded by the Assyrian army. They're shouting insults at the people of Jerusalem. They're shouting insults at the God of the people in Jerusalem. In fact, the army commander sends a letter to King Hezekiah and says, we're going to get you. We've gotten everyone else around you. We're going to get you too. The only, the only thing that's going to be decided is how many of you are going to survive. Why don't you just give in now? You think your God's going to help you? 
Yeah, the people in the last village, they thought their God was going to help too. Look at them. And what does Hezekiah do? He goes into the temple and he lays out the letter on the altar. And he says, God, you're going to have to take care of this. I can't. Waiting on God to fight the battle. You know what, though? That is a great position to be in. Because how many battles has God lost? None yet. <laughs> so if we're waiting on God to fight the battle, what we're really waiting on is victory. Because God's going to win that battle. Sometimes we're waiting on God to fight the battle. Now let's look at some ways that we can wait well. That we can be effective and ministering while we wait. The first thing that I want to encourage you is don't grow bitter or impatient. Remember that microwave popcorn and you're tapping your finger? What if God asks you to wait months or years? Don't grow bitter or impatient. Think about Moses. He was raised by Pharaoh's daughter. He was raised with the best of everything in the biggest empire in the world. And now he's out in the wilderness with the sheep. How easy would it have been for him to grow impatient or grow bitter? My friend Peter, who was in prison in Sudan, had an interesting experience that helped him grab a hold of this truth. Now, he was arrested on December the 10th, and he said the 10th of every month was really hard for him. He said, you know, the 10th of January rolled around. It's been 30 days. The 10th of February, it's been 60 days. Lord, how long? The 10th of March, the 10th of April, something happened. He was in a prison in Sudan, and they brought in a group of Eritrean prisoners, prisoners from Eritrea. Now, Peter had been to Eritrea. He had ministered there, and he felt like the Holy Spirit said, go talk to those guys. So he did. He went and struck up a conversation. Hey, I've been to your country. And he felt led to share his testimony, and he did. And two of those Eritrean prisoners came to faith in Christ after Peter shared with them. They prayed together. They put their hearts, their faith in Jesus Christ. The next morning, that entire group of Eritreans was transferred back out of the cell, and Peter never saw him again. So they had about 11 hours in that cell together, and in that 11 hours, two of them came to faith. And Peter said that changed his entire outlook. That changed his prayer. Instead of, Lord, get me out of here, it was, Lord, as long as you can use me, I'll stay. As long as you give me opportunities to witness, I'll stay. Don't grow bitter. Don't grow impatient when you're in that time of waiting. Instead, look for opportunities to witness. Look for opportunities for God to use you. The second thing that I think will help us to wait well is don't long for shortcuts. You see, if you just do this over here, you don't have to wait. What could I do that would get me out of this waiting period, that would get me through it faster? Don't long for shortcuts. I was shared a letter from a prisoner in a country where Christians, many Christians are in prison. And this particular prisoner has been in prison more than 12 years. He's never been charged with a crime. He never had a trial. He just got picked up and put into the prison system, and he's been there for 12 years. 
This is what he said in his letter, and I, and I don't think I'll ever forget this line. He said, I have just now begun to see the cross. After 12 years in prison, I have just now begun to see the cross. There's not a shortcut for that. There's no shortcut get, that gets you there faster. Don't long for shortcuts. Instead, focus on seeing the cross. The third thing that I think will help us to wait well is be careful that you don't get distracted or deceived by other voices. There will be a lot of voices that tell you, you don't have to wait. You can do this faster. Oh, just go over here. There's a shortcut. Don't get distracted by other voices. Don't get deceived by people who are giving you a different message than what God has given you. John Short is an Australian man. He lives in Hong Kong. He was detained a couple years ago in North Korea. He was giving gospel tracts outside a Buddhist temple. He actually left them there. He was detained by the North Korean authorities. John has been active in China, the nation of China, for decades and has known some of the great saints of the Chinese church, one of whom is Alan Yoon. Alan Yoon spent 20 years in prison in China. And John talked to me about what he had learned from Alan Yoon that he remembered when he was in prison in North Korea. Alan Yoon said, there are three truths that you should remember if you're called on to face persecution. Number one, do not fear them. Number two, do not believe them. For you know that the basis of the unbelieving communist is that they do not believe God, so they believe a lie. You don't believe any entreaty, any promise that they make to you. Do not fear them. Do not believe them. And finally, do not think that by receiving anything from them, you're going to escape. You don't need anything from them. Everything you need is going to come from the hand of God. Don't listen to the other voices. Don't get distracted by the other voices. A couple years ago, I met a pastor in northern Iraq, and at the end of our time together, I said, you know, I'm going back to America. I'm going to talk to American Christians. How can we pray for Iraq? The first thing he asked us to pray for, pray that God will call Christians to stay here. You see, Iraq is a war zone. The Christians are not safe there. Every voice even the really intelligent voices are telling them, get out of here. Take your children someplace safe. Go to the West. There's no future for you here. But this pastor said, pray that God will call people to stay here. We have to be willing to drown out the voices that are calling us away from God's plan, away from waiting on God. We have to be willing to ignore those voices. The fourth thing that I think will help us to wait well is don't stop serving while you're waiting. Joseph was faithful in his service. He was faithful at Potiphar's house. He was faithful in prison. And ultimately, he was faithful when he worked directly for Pharaoh. There's a pastor in China named Uncle Z. They call him Uncle Z. Zhang Rongliang is his full name. He spent seven years in prison. He was in a prison of 5,000 men. And at the end of his seven years, every one of those men 
had had an opportunity to hear the gospel and make a decision, yes or no, for Christ. Now, it would have been easy for Uncle Z to sit in his cell and think, well, I'm in prison. I can take a vacation now. I've been ministering real, working hard in the house churches, and now I've got this time off. I could just sit down. But don't stop serving while you're waiting. He kept serving and was able to ultimately reach that entire prison with the gospel message. Now, not everyone got saved. Not everyone chose to accept it, but everyone heard it. Everyone had that opportunity. Don't stop serving while you wait. You know, as Peter was in prison, he was able to write letters to his family from Sudan. And his, his letters had this amazing quality. You know, he said, I, I really want to come home to you guys, but the opportunities to minister here are so great. I have a picture of him in the prison chapel at one of the prisons. They had meetings five out of every seven days. Peter had chances to preach every single week. There's a second picture here now. I don't know if they're live streaming that like they do at Element Church, but somebody is taking a picture of him or videoing while Peter preaches in the prison. Family, I'd love to come home, but man, there's some great things going on here. There's some great opportunities here. Don't stop serving while you wait. You know, it's easy to think we're going to serve later, right? I'm going to serve after I get married. I'm going to serve after I'm debt free. I'm going to serve after I'm rich. I'm going to serve after I retire. I'm going to serve after this fire over here is put out. I'm going to serve after I'm well. Could you serve now? Could you serve the doctors and nurses who are treating you while you're sick? Could you give what you have now? Don't stop serving while you're waiting. As I mentioned earlier, I don't really feel like I'm in a season of waiting. So I'm a little bit frightened by this message. I'm a little bit frightened by the fact that God has had me here all year. I wish that I had a, a, a cool song that you could sing or a poem you could recite that would make waiting easy, that would suddenly make us American microwave popcorn makers patient, or something that would be the key to the doorway, and the door that you're waiting to open, it would just fly open, and you'd be through it, and you'd be, yes. I wish I, I had that. I wish I could close with that. I don't. There's not a shortcut for some of this. We must wait. We must wait well. But I do have a promise, a promise from God that comes from Isaiah chapter 40. Even the youth faint and grow weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. If you're in a waiting season, whatever area of your life, I want to encourage you, wait well. What you're waiting for, God's plan is worth the wait. His plans for you are bigger and more incredible and more fulfilling than your plans for yourself. Wait well. Wait for the Lord. Wait for him to move. Wait for him to open the door. Wait for him to explain what he needs from you and wants from you. You know, we talked about Joseph 
Skip ahead to the end of the story for Joseph. Joseph gets out of prison. Joseph becomes second in command of the largest empire in the world. Joseph saves his family, his people. And at the end of his father's life, Joseph is standing beside his father's bed as he passes away. How many times do you think he thought in prison, I'll never see my father again? But at the end of his life, he was standing beside his bed when he went into eternity. Richard Wormbrand, 14 years in prison. He gets released from prison. He gets ransomed out of Romania. And he founds the ministry, the Voice of the Martyrs, that is active in 68 countries. This year, we're going to deliver over a million Bibles into those 68 countries. Do you think that that, that guy, that sort of walking skeleton in a solitary confinement cell could ever have imagined what God would do through him? Wait patiently to see what God has for you. Wait well. Continue to minister. Continue to grow. Continue to let God work while you're waiting. As we close up, I just want to pray, and what I want to do is I want to ask, if, if you feel like I'm in a season of waiting, maybe it's a job situation, maybe it's a family situation, maybe it's a spiritual battle that you're fighting, and you feel like I'm waiting, I want to ask you to stand up and just, just stand right where you're at, stay right where you're at. I want to pray for you. I want the people around you to pray for you. So if you're, if you're there, if you feel like, man, I wish God would open this or do this, or what am I supposed to do? Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for Element Church. I thank you for the privilege of being here this morning. And Lord, I pray for those who are standing. I pray that you will give them encouragement and hope and strength. Lord, allow them to wait faithfully. Allow them to grow while they're waiting. Allow them to sense your presence even as they're waiting for a door to open or waiting for you to fight the battle. Lord, I pray for this church. I pray for their impact in this community. And I pray that you will bless each person who's here today and help us to walk wholeheartedly with you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you very much.